the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So the new series we're starting, we're looking at the zoo. And one of the things I love about zoos is I love going around looking at all the cool animals. There are, there are like these, the main attractions, you've got like the roaring lions, you've got like the sneaky snakes, you've got the like cautious chameleons, I guess. And there's just so many cool animals you can look at. There's so many lessons you can learn from animals, their behaviors, their instincts, and everything about nature. And so over this series, we're going to be picking some key, key animals that we're going to look at, we're going to learn stuff from. And we're going to learn in two ways. We're going to learn stuff for our own lives, our own personal development. But the second thing we're going to learn is for some of us, maybe for the future, or maybe for now, we have a family and kids, and raising kids is tough. And next week, we're talking about cheeky monkeys, Because, you know, when kids are cheeky when they're little, it's so, so cute. But then they get a bit older and no longer do we laugh at it anymore. They're now a challenging chimp. And, you know, if you don't nip that behavior in the bud, they become a gruesome gorilla in their teenage years. And then you've got real problems on your hands. So we're going to be learning some things for our own personal development, but also for our growth as families. And today we're looking at sneaky snakes. Sneaky snakes. And the cool surprise I have for you, we've got Dan here today, who in his bag has got two sneaky snakes. And um, I mean, at churches, they do altar calls and stuff like that. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different at the end of this talk. And there's going to be an opportunity to face up to a sneaky snake and wear the sneaky snake and have your picture taken, hey guys, with a sneaky snake. I don't know about you, I'm absolutely petrified, but I can't wait at the same time. It's one of those weird things where you're like, I can't wait to do this, but I am so scared. So if you want to do that, we're going to do that later. You can grab your picture or video taken. Um, The passage I want to talk to you guys about is, is in Genesis chapter 3. And I want to let you guys know one more awesome, awesome thing about the City Hill app, which we have never done before. If you open the City Hill app today, and in the bottom right-hand side, there's a little button, like the menu button with the three lines. If you press that at the very top of it, there is notes. We have notes on the City Hill app. I know some of you are like, shut the front door. Like, you, you open that, and the first talk today is Sneaky Snakes. And in there, what you can do is, as I go along through the talk, you can kind of fill in some of the blanks. At the bottom, you can make some of your own notes and write stuff. You can email it, you can save it for future reference. I always find that thing where sometimes someone says something on a Sunday and I'm like, oh, that was banging. I want to do something about that this week. And then I'm like, later in the week, I can't remember what he said. And I freak out. So I've been using it all week, testing it out myself. So we're looking at Genesis chapter three. And first one. Now, the serpent was more crafty, more sneaky than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, um, and the, sn- the snake said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but God said you shall not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree looked good for food and there was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they saw they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid for myself. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman gave it to be, gave to me and um, she ate the fruit and we both ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The serpent deceived me and I ate. You know, one of the things I find funny in life is um, the first lesson I learned from that story is sneaky snakes twist words. Sneaky snakes twist words. And what I've found is whenever someone twists a word or, or twists something that they say about you, I find that I ended up being twisted and I'm like contorted. I think back in my life to like my childhood. And I remember going to this uh, school in Sutton, a really good school. My parents, my dad was a BT engineer. My mum did part-time sewing, was a secretary. Like they didn't have a lot of money, but they put all this money aside that I could go to private school. I'm dyslexic and I, I did love going there. It was a great school, but I really struggled. And I remember I played for the football team. I've shared this story before. And I'd, I'd had a really good couple of games because I didn't really play very well. But these couple of games, I mean, I scored a worldie. It was fluke. It happened more to me than I to it. But like, I got, to, I got asked by the, the, the manager. He said, hey, I want you to write the match report. And I was so excited to write the match report. So excited. I was pumped. And then as soon as I got excited about it, I realized I'm screwed. I'm dyslexic. Like, I'm not very good at writing. I'm not very good at this kind of stuff. And I got really, really scared. And I remember it came to the day of standing up in assembly to read out my match report. And I got so scared and my best mate Charles goes to me like, hey bro, what are you scared about? And I was like, I'm so scared to do this. I don't think I could do this. My legs were like shaking and everything. And Charles, who was like a demigod of the English language, goes, have no fear, I'll take, I'll take your place. And he grabs my notes and he never looks at them and he just says he'll do it. And then as he goes to stand at the front of the assembly, he opens it up but I'm really dyslexic, all my words are the wrong way around. My spellings were so bad that my teacher made the spellings for everyone to learn for the week, my mistakes in an essay. I couldn't do the difference between where and were. There were words like there on the board. And all the kids, all the kids, they loved it because it was the easiest spelling test they would ever have. But obviously they, they picked on me and they bullied me for that. And I'm standing there and I'm watching Charles go at the front and Charles, has turned this beetroot color. He's trying to read it, it's not making any sense. And the headmaster stands up and goes, what's the meaning of this? And Charles goes, Andy Gray was meant to do this, but he was scared, so I stepped in and I took it. And this doesn't make any sense, I just, I just can't read it. And he's standing up there, he's beetroot, I'm dying, he's dying. But the headmaster, he's a, he's a smart guy. And he realizes what's happened. And he goes, oh, Charles, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, it it's cool. And brush it aside. And because the headmaster knows my struggles and knows that I'm having extra tuition and extra tutoring to try and help me overcome my, my disability, my disadvantage, he's trying to push it away. But there's a teacher that's watching on and they see what's happened to Charles, who's my best friend, and they think, I've tried to humiliate my best friend. Why on earth would I ever do that? And this teacher drags me out of the assembly, stands over me and says, you are an absolute disgrace to this school and you should never do public speaking again for the rest of your life. And I remember being like, I don't know, nine or 10 years of age, and I'm just looking at the floor, and I remember hearing those words, and do you know what? It was the words of a sneaky snake, and I believed every single word of it. And every time there came an opportunity to be in the school play, and the production of this school was amazing. The plays were so good. 
I would always be like, well, I can never do that. Remember what happened, I can never do that. I, I'm not gonna do it. And so I would always be just like, oh no, the eighth shepherd in the nativity, uh, the back to the side, the one who's nearly falling off the stage. My skill was to stay on the stage. That was my talent. Like, man, I didn't fall off. Thank you, Jesus. And it came to reading in the classroom. I wouldn't read in the classroom. I wouldn't read, I wouldn't do it. Any opportunity to do anything, I just wouldn't do it anymore. And it really, really affected me, the words of a sneaky snake. Because a sneaky snake just twists something. Because there was a truth in there, and the truth was, I hadn't done a good job that day, and I needed to step up and learn and grow. But I believed every single word of a sneaky snake, and I just removed myself from any opportunity to then have the opportunity to grow into what I could do. See the words that a sneaky snake says, they twist. And in this story, what happened was, the snake starts by saying, did God say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? He says any. He's testing. Do you really know your stuff? And her response is, he said that we couldn't eat of that tree or touch it, least we die. God never said you can't touch that fruit. He said you can't eat it. She could have grabbed that fruit, smeared it all over her body as war paint and played like games of tag in the Garden of Eden. It wouldn't have mattered. She could have taken that fruit. They could have thrown it around playing rugby. They could have played American football. They could have played cricket. They could have played rounders. They could have played hockey. They could have done all sorts of things with that fruit. They just couldn't eat it. But she said, you can't touch it or you'll die as well. One of the rabbis said this great statement where he said, when you add to God's word, you subtract from it. You never add anything to it. Anything you add on top of it, you subtract, you take away. And in that moment, the serpent hears those words, Satan hears those words, and he's like, dang, game on. Game on. You don't know your stuff. And I'm going to twist you up in all sorts of ways you can't go. Because snakes are really, really flexible in ways you and I are never flexible. And it, it, it begs the question that I want to bring to the table today that each one of us to ask of ourselves, regardless of faith, regardless of background, is there a word being twisted in your life causing you to believe something about God, about yourself, or about someone else that isn't true? Because, you know, I went for years of my life avoiding all sorts of scenarios because someone said something to me that wasn't true. I'm going to post it on social media later. I'm going to message my dad and ask for a photo. My parents, I, I grew up living around Worcester Park, Sutton Way, but we went to a church around the corner from here, Elam Pentecostal Church on Clapham Common, just around the corner. And I would come home from church, like age three, and as soon as I'd get home, I'd get in the living room. I mean, this is a bit embarrassing now, but hey, I'll own it, it's, it's true. And I would grab my dad's microphone and I would preach in the living room, age three, every single Sunday when I got home. I would even do the announcements. Like, Marvin's out there. Sadly, Marvin's out there because Marvin knew me as a kid. He grew up there as well. And there was a guy called Desmond who's, who's, who's with the Lord nowadays. He's, he's dead. But um, I used to be going, come up, Desmond, come up, Desmond. And then I'd come up again and do the notices. I'm not even kidding. You can, you can, if you ever see my parents here on a Sunday, ask them about it. My dad used to crack up. And there's this photo of me. It's not my dad capturing one moment where his kid did something a little bit cute. He's capturing a moment that I did every single Sunday. From the age of three, it was in me. For me, when I got asked at school, what do you want to do for a job? Yeah, I said the same job as my dad, BT engineer, whatever, because that was a job. But for me, preaching was breathing. It was being alive. It was what it meant to be alive. And you know, that teacher said that word over me, and it was like a sneaky snake trying to rob me of my life, rob me of everything about everything. You know, it's funny, I look back and yeah, I kind of do this 
most weeks. But actually, I've spoken on three different continents in seven different countries. And I've preached at what is an up-and-coming megachurch in Texas and done a book tour. And that teacher said a word that would have robbed me of all those things that I've loved. It would have robbed me of having the best friend I've ever had in Pastor Zach White in San Antonio, Texas. It would have robbed me of so many opportunities that I cherish and I love because someone spoke a word that was twisted. And the problem I have is I think that I'm not alone in that. I think there are people who walk around thinking they're ugly. I think there are people walking around thinking they're useless. I think there are people walking around who never attempt their dreams because someone saw them step up and they cussed them down. And you know what I love? Is I love people who stand up in the face of adversity and failure and they keep coming. They keep going, they keep pushing. You gotta push through the words. The next thing I wanna say, so if you're going through the notes, you can fill in the blanks. If you get the word wrong, don't worry, you can click the tick and it'll give you the right one, but don't just go clicking all the ticks because that's just cheating. Sneaky snakes lead us to a place that God questions. When God comes into the garden, the statement he says is, Adam, where are you? And like, this is not like, I do not believe in a God who doesn't have functioning GPS. I don't believe that. I cannot believe these are the hide and, the eternal hide and seek champions that found the one bush in a garden where God was like, I have no idea where you are. It's like a blind spot. It's like you're right between my eyes. You know what I mean? I don't believe that for one second. When God says, where are you? The question is, where is the Adam that I loved? Where is the Adam that I made? Where is the Adam who would run out to meet me in the cool of the eve where we would just connect, where we would have this amazing time together? God said that you would surely die in that day and Adam did. It didn't matter that he didn't drop dead. The Adam that God knew in the, word, knew in the words of T.I. was dead and gone. He was dead and gone. And the Adam that was here was not the same person. And God was asking a question, a question that I believe God has been asking ever since to every single human being. Where are you? Where is the person that, man, I loved and I cherished? Where is the person who has allowed someone, allowed something, allowed a sneaky snake to say something about them that they wouldn't see the unbelievable value in themselves? The person who believes they don't have this job so they're not worth anything. The person who believes they don't have this spouse or this house or this car or this situation or don't have this talent that devalues themselves because of some inadequacy that someone else has highlighted. This week on Wednesday, I'm going to be throwing up a blog um, about who we are, about who God says we are as individuals. And I want to encourage you guys on Wednesday, some point of the day, on the City Who app, you can just click blogs and it'll be straight there. It'll be right at the top. I'm throwing it up because today what I'm talking about is I'm saying that there is deception. There are things said about you and I that are robbing us of our lives. What I'm going to be saying on Wednesday and putting up is I'm going to be saying to you, this is who you actually are. Someone else says you're this, but God says you're that. And some of us need to know what God says we are because actually we're treating God like he's a liar all the time. That we're not really his kid, that we're not really his son, we're not really his daughter, that we're not really loved, that we're not really this, we're not really that. Sneaky snakes lead us to a place that God questions. And the question is always, where are you? The other thing about sneaky snakes is they leave, they leave a bite. They leave a bite. And I think so often you and I are always scared to tackle deception in our friendship circles, at work, in our family, because we're scared of getting bitten. 
I think most of the time people don't face up to things people say and don't tackle it there and then or don't tackle it even years later because they're scared of a bite. They're scared of something that's gonna come their way, which is why I'm so excited. On the one hand, what we're gonna be doing today is unbelievably trivia in the fact that we're gonna have fun taking photos, having these really cool snakes we're gonna be holding, which is really cool. But actually there's a symbolic thing that's gonna be going down today where it's gonna be like, you know what? I'm facing, I'm facing my deception head on. I'm facing this head on. I'm not gonna live a life where I'm gonna live by what someone else has said about me. I'm gonna live a life by what God has said about me. And on Wednesday, make sure you're checking out the blogs in the app because there's gonna be like five, six, seven amazing things that God says about you that I'm gonna be showing you guys. Sneaky snakes leave a bite. When was the last time you called out a sneaky snake? Most of the time we just can't be bothered. We just stick our head under and we keep going. Man, recently I had, I, oh man, I got snaked. I got snaked so badly. I was having a private privilege conversation in an email where I wrote in bold italics underlined, this is between me and you. And that person went and took it to a meeting has been causing me problems. I got bitten by a sneaky, sneaky snake. And you know what, I lost sleep about it. I lost sleep for like a week and a half, I couldn't sleep at night. And they came one day preparing a talk, getting ready for City Hill. I couldn't do my talk two weeks ago when we had the kids party, I couldn't do it. And I was sitting in Nero's and I was fuming. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna tell this sneaky snake. I'm gonna call the sneaky snake out. I'm gonna tell him what he's done and the problems he's called me betraying trust. And I sent that email. And you know what happened? They replied. Do you know what I did? It's still unread in my email. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care. Do I have animosity or hatred towards them? No. As soon as I sent that email, as soon as I called it out, I have peace. If I see that person, I'll give them a hug. I'll say, hey, how you doing, bro? It's cool. No, 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 no. It's dealt with, it's done. But now I know that this sneaky snake isn't gonna get that position of privilege. Everyone's going to me, what did they say? What did they say? I'm not interested in keeping the cycle going. I don't care. There are some times you gotta break the cycle and not allow people just to keep bringing you down. It's like, man, you, you bit me, we're cool. I'm not gonna go around exposing you, saying what you did. I'm not gonna call you out, but I'm gonna tell you this is what you've done. And I think so often you and I are scared to get bitten. I want to let you know when you call out a sneaky snake, you actually feel better about your life. You get your sleep back, you get your life back, you get your happiness back, you get your joy back, and you can move on. One of the best things in life is being able to label something and go, oh, that's where that person is. Oh, okay. That means I know this is the output I'm going to get from them. Like, I see people running the same situation again and again. Like, oh my gosh, how can they do this to me again? It's like, what do you mean again? You've got to learn. You've got to wake up. And then when you know that's who they are, sometimes stuff happens to me now, I go, oh yeah, but that's so-and-so, of course they're gonna do that. They always do that. I'm not gonna be surprised, it's the fifth time, you know what I mean? We tend to avoid them at all costs as fear of getting bitten. There's only one thing that's worse than being bitten by, well actually there's a lot of things worse than being bitten by a snake. I'd go for being bitten by, I don't know, a great white, unless it's an anaconda, then I think you're in real, real trouble. You do not wanna get bitten by one of those. Deception. Deception is worse because you can end up living your entire life based around something that isn't true. You could be held like in an invisible prison believing what someone else has said about you. And let me tell you, I think that is one of the absolute worst things that can ever happen to a human being. To be trapped inside a perception that someone else has of you that you've embraced that isn't even true in the slightest. And I believe this Sunday is such an important one. Jesus said in John 14 verse 6, he said... Uh, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He made a statement of being truth. 
I find in, in today's world that's such an unbelievable statement because whatever's true for you is true for you, whatever's true for me is true for me. What if your truth says my truth is a lie? What if my truth says your truth is a lie? Where do we go with that? I don't know. But we're just happy to embrace any kind of fake news nowadays. We don't even have a quest for truth, but I believe it's important what truth is, and I believe Jesus is truth. I want to encourage you guys with three quick ways to dispel deception. Number one, what does God's word say? I think what God's word says is so important. So this week on Wednesday, I cannot stress it enough. You've got to hit up the website and get on the blog. They say I'm this, but God's word says I'm his child. You can go through life believing you're worthless and everything, but if actually God says you're his kid, man, that's something precious and that's something to be respected and honored. Um, Don't be alone. If you're unsure, ask someone, not a yes man. You know, I've got certain friends that I know, I can ask them a question. One of the trustees at City Hill, a guy called Pete uh, Singleton, has become such a valuable friend to me because I was able to sit down with him and go, hey man, this person's doing all this, person's saying all that. How do you see this? And I'm ready for Pete to say to me, Andy, you're an absolute donut. Like, he's totally right. Because Pete will tell me, he will tell me. Sometimes it's not a lie. Just because you feel upset about it doesn't mean it's a lie. But you have to have a friend that can tell you straight, yeah, you're a donut and you shouldn't have done that. Don't be alone in it. But also it's good to have a friend like that because sometimes they help you have that clarity to see. I want to say you can always post a prayer request on the prayer wall in the app or meet up with a friend, make a call, talk to someone here on a Sunday that you trust. If it's really troubling, you're really messing you up and you want someone to speak to, I just want to let you know, you can always um, always catch up with me and have a chat or talk on the phone or meet up, whatever. Um, third, pray about it. You don't have to act. Everyone always has this thing that when something's high pressure or something's really painful to them, they just want to make a quick decision. They want to act on it. They want to act on it. Fools act in haste. Like, don't let your emotions make your decisions. If you let your emotions make your decisions, you'll be falling out of everybody about every single thing because your emotions own you. Take a step back, pray about it, get some release. The greatest thing about prayer is it's the only conversation you will ever have in your life where you don't have to filter it. I go to my mum, my mum asks me how I'm doing. I don't want my mum to worry. I put a filter on it so she doesn't worry. Jody asked me about stuff. Sometimes I'm scared I'm gonna get in trouble because I didn't do certain things with the kids. You put a filter on it, you make stuff like you did a better job than you did. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I'm sitting with someone and they ask me how I am. I put a filter on it because actually that person might be a snake. And I tell them how I am, they're gonna bite me and they're gonna make things worse than they are. You know what I mean? Always filters. God is the one conversation I have, I don't have to put a filter on it. I just step out and go, God, this absolutely sucks. I'm completely messed up. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm completely lost and confused. Ah, help. And you know what? Even if I don't get a magical answer out of the sky, I've released a ton of stress. Human beings are like gas canisters. If you let the pressure keep building, one day you're gonna blow up. Everyone's talking about mental health at the moment. There's no outlet. The pressure just builds and builds and builds, and boom, people just go and lose the plot. Their minds fall apart. Prayer for me has been one of the things that has kept me unbelievably sane. Pray about it. Don't act in haste or under emotions. One of the things I've also learned is this, is I believe the devil creates lots of noise and time-specific pressures. Don't rush. So what if the deadline goes? Will the world fall apart? Is it gonna fall off its hinges if you don't meet a deadline or something that someone else has set out? Don't let people be in control of the most important things within your lives. Take the control, take your time, make the decisions you need. Don't rush, find peace. Man, peace is so, so, so unbelievably important. That's pretty much everything I have to say today. I want to pray for us. I want to take a moment and then we're going to have a time where we're going to face up to deception. I mean, these snakes are not 
deceptive. They're lovely snakes. But for all points of the illustration of the talk, they're sneptive snakes. We're going to have a time where you can wear the snake if you want. If you don't want it, you're not forced to, by the way. This isn't the part of our church where it's like, you have to wear a snake today or find another church. That's not what this is. Like, you don't want to wear a snake, don't wear the snake. But if you want to, it's an opportunity. It's a bit of fun, man. What church can you go to on a Sunday and wear a snake? I don't know one just here. Hashtag just saying. Father God, I thank you for your grace, your unwavering favor towards us, your love. I thank you, Father, that your grace towards us isn't one that just accepts us and leaves us in the mess we're in. I thank you don't leave us in deception. I thank you didn't leave me in deception as a kid where the word that was spoken over me was the final word of my life, that you had a different word that you wanted to say over me. You had a different word you wanted to say about my life. And I'm so grateful, God, that I get to to truly be alive, doing the thing I love more than anything in this world because you spoke a word over me and you set me free. I pray for those of us here that have all different kinds of things that have been said about us that actually dictate so much of our lives. I pray the scales will just go from our eyes. I pray we'll see ourselves as you see us, as someone worth dying for and someone worth living for. I pray, Father God, that we'd encounter newness of life. I pray the things that have been said about us, whether it be childhood, whether it be this week, last week, or any other week. I pray for freedom. I pray for liberty. And I pray for your unmerited favor towards us. I pray, Father God, that not just for today, but that we'll meet maybe with a friend and talk about that we can trust some of the vulnerabilities, the pains and the hurts that have stuck with us for so long over things that people have said about us. And we just pray for freedom from those things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.